Alright, good morning again to our graduates. Happy graduation and to our graduates listening on the podcast. You should have been here. Alright, just got that out of the way. Thank you. So, um, renegades, we're in this series called Renegades. Renegades are those who buck religious and cultural traditions, but they don't go off like our, like our little biker guy there, uh, one, uh, solo. They actually uh, buck this, these traditions in order to impact the culture around them. And we're taking a look at real live people. A lot of times we call them biblical characters. I really don't like that word because a lot of times when we say biblical characters, we get in our minds like fictional characters. But these are real living people who just simply lived a long time ago. And they were renegades. Not because they asked to be, but because God led them into that. And we took a look at Gideon and Courage. And courage isn't the absence of fear, it is taking the next step despite the fear. And we looked at Ruth and Boaz and how they took the next steps of hear and follow faith, uh, 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 no matter if it made sense or not. Uh, and for both of them, it didn't make sense for them to take the next steps, but they did anyway, and God blessed them for that. Uh, uh, faithfulness and having faith is simply just hearing and following Jesus. And then last week, we took a look at Daniel and his friends about how prayer was the foundation of their life and how prayer brought them life. And, and, and we see their prayer life keeping them strong in the midst of, of, of a pagan society. Look, I know what's happened this week. You know what? Their pagan society was way worse than ours. So if you want to know how to respond in a society that doesn't worship God, read Daniel. Go read Daniel and respond like that instead of how we do on Facebook. All right. Now this week, we're taking a look at Ezra. Ezra is a, a lesser known guy in the Bible. Uh, in fact, the story from Daniel really kind of uh, uh, continues through Ezra. Uh, Daniel prayed when he read about the 70 years uh, that, that they were going to be exiled in Babylon. Daniel prayed. He got on his knees and prayed, God, do something. And he started working. God started working in very small ways to start. Daniel didn't get to see the completion of his prayer, but he believed anyway. And God started working in a guy by the name of Zerubbabel's heart. All right, I've got four boys, all named after Bible characters, but we didn't go there. All right? Didn't go to Zerubbabel. She ex-nayed that. Yeah, yeah. But he went, he took a group back to Jerusalem. Zerubbabel took a group back to Jerusalem in order to build the temple. They got the foundation laid, and then they, they, they stopped. They stopped. They had homes to build, and eh, you know. And then a couple guys, prophets, Haggai, Zechariah, came along and goes, hey, we really should probably finish this temple thing. Uh, you know, this is like God's house of worship. We probably should finish this. So they finished it in about four years. And then many years later, and we're going to look at this guy next week, Nehemiah came along. God put it in his heart to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. They got that project done in 52 days. They got her done. Like, we'll take a look at that next week, but they got her done. But when they both of those projects were finished, those men led them. They were godly men. They led them in these projects. 
But there was still something missing. The people didn't know God's word. And they needed somebody not to lead a, a, a vision in order to build something. They needed uh, somebody that had vision based, based solely on God's word and how to hear and follow God's word. And this is where Ezra comes, comes into the picture for both Zerubbabel and Nehemiah. And we're going to take a look in both stories. Uh, ironically enough, Ezra doesn't show up in his own book named after him, Ezra, until Ezra 7. Like, you know, he got the short end of the stick. Like everybody else, book named after him, and they show up in, in you know, chapter 1. Ezra, not till chapter 7. So we got to build up to Ezra. But we're going to take a look. Starting in Ezra chapter 7, we see him come onto the scene. You can follow along on the screen, Hardbound Bible. Also, um, in the Bible app on your phone or tablet, our own app, if you want to download our own app, underneath resources, you can follow along there with a link. Ezra chapter 7. He, Ezra, was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses, which Yahweh, the God of Israel, had given. The king had granted him everything he requested because the hand of Yahweh, his God, was on him. Here we see Ezra. He's introduced into the story. And the people need somebody to lead them in God's word. And here we have a Levite, a priest, who is skilled in the law of Moses. For such a time as this, Ezra was, was raised up by God in order to lead them according to his word. Ezra began the journey, verse 9, Ezra began the journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month and arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month, a four-month journey through the desert to get there to teach the Bible. Sometimes we have a hard time getting people to come to church, <laughs> like down the street, let alone four-month journey through the desert just to teach the Bible. The gracious hand of God was on him. Now Ezra had determined in his heart to study the law of the Lord, obey it, and teach its statutes and ordinances in Israel. He had a simple plan. Study it, obey it, and teach it. Study it, obey it, and teach it. And God's word was the foundation for him. And God used that in order to raise him up and lead his people back to him according to to his word. Kind of a side note. This is free. This is free. This wasn't a part of the price of admission this morning. If you notice throughout the series, there the, the these things like prayer, like some people, like that's their deal is prayer. Like they're like God's favorites. Because it seems like everything they pray, it happens. And then the rest of us are like, I hate you. <laughs> right? In Christian love. I hate you. Because every time you pray, you get it. And every time I pray, it's like nothing happens. But then some of us, we really kind of flock to God's word. We understand it. We get it. We love it. That's what, that's what brings us life. Now, that doesn't excuse God's word people from not praying and prayer people for not reading God's word. But it just seems like that people, there's certain people that certain personality types flock to pray. More the touchy-feely people. And then more of the analytical thinkers, hardline, you know, black and white, they, they kind of gravitate to God's Word. And the next week we're going to see how vision plays into this with, with Nehemiah. But if you're like, ah, I don't really gravitate to God's Word, I'm more of a prayer person, that's okay. God made you that way. Use it. Use it. Read God's Word. 
but focus in on prayer. The rest of us need you because God thinks you're his favorite. All right? We already established that. So that's free. That's free. But another thing, another thing, we're going to read now from Nehemiah. After, after that story that the, the, the walls were done, we're going to read from there Nehemiah where Ezra steps into the picture. And we're going to see a more complete picture of what Ezra really wants to do with God's word. Nehemiah chapter 8, starting in verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. That, that sounds odd. We... we pick up in the story they had built a platform okay he wasn't he didn't find himself as above all the people like i'm better than you because i know god's word he was on stage it's all all he was on stage and as he opened it all the people stood (laughs) nobody nobody stood all right and as he like forget you ezra blessed the lord the great god and all the people answered amen amen lifting up their hands we're too white for that, so don't worry about it. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Banny, and then a bunch of guys that I'm just not going to attempt. The Levites helping the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. Uh, this is like, like Passion Conference or uh, promise keepers, or women of faith. A bu- you know, bunch of people come to hear God's word, hear it taught. A bunch of people take the stage and preach on God's word, and they worship, and amen, and lift it up the hand. They're singing, and that's all. Hopefully you've experienced something like that. This is the, in the Old Testament, like 2,700 years ago, 2,500 years ago. This is happening. Same thing. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. I love that phrase. They gave the sense. Like there's a couple people over here, amen, and amen, amen, and a couple people over here, you know, preach it, brother. And then someone in the back just goes, give the sense. Yeah. Give the sense, bro. Yeah, bring it. Like, but I like that phrase. Give the sense. Like they taught so that the people could get it. Give the sense. We need t-shirts. Give the sense. Cross point. Yeah. Give the sense. But that's why we do what we do. That's why we open up with the song that we do and then have a monologue, something funny, a game or something so that those that have had a hard time with church struggled with church, have walls built up towards church. But that's like a one-two punch to knock down those walls, to laugh a little bit and have fun. Like, you can have fun at church? Just hold on. Just hold on. We'll get there. But then so that when we get to worship and we get to giving the sense of God's word, they're ready to hear. And you're ready to hear. We don't, we don't do those, that opening part for Christians. We don't do that for, for us. We do it for those that struggle with church. And if you're that person, that's why we do that. And I, my prayer is that when we teach, we give the sense. That you walk out going, I get it. I understand it. Look, here's the deal. We can use deep for I don't want to do it. Right? Because if I confuse you with a lot of theological language... You feel good about that. 
We went deep, but I don't have to do squat because I don't get it. They gave the sense so that people could know what to do based on God's Word because life comes from God's Word. And if you don't get it, you don't get life. So how can God's Word impact you from this story? First of all, be ready. Be ready. How do you prepare yourself for worship? Now, this is Christians. Those of you that are non-Christians, just checking out this thing out, just kicking the tires, not sure about God, not sure. You're off the hook. This is for Christians. Just watch, just learn, just see. Christians, how do you prepare yourself for worship? As you lay down on Saturday night, God, just prepare my heart. Just let me be ready. And you get up, eat breakfast, rush out the door, give a little prayer. Just let me be ready. How do you prepare yourself to be ready for God to speak in your life throughout the week? Because if we eat only on Sunday, we're going to be starving by the time the next Sunday comes, right? How do you make sure you're ready throughout the week? That's why we have reading plans. So like, man, I would really like to engage God's Word throughout the week, but how? Boom! We got reading plans. We got you covered. It takes five minutes to read the scripture that we have in the reading plan. Five minutes. Five minutes. We can find five minutes of our day. Cut out five minutes of Facebook. You'll be better off. No amen on that? Give the sense? Like, come on. Yeah, there you go. Second of all, impact. The Bible for impact, second of all, not only be ready, but listen. You can be ready, but if you don't listen, uh, who cares? Listen. Right? Your parents know this. Kids looking at you, but they ain't listening. God knows what that feels like. We're looking at him, but we ain't listening. Listen. The people, they stood to listen. You looked at me like I was crazy, right? They stood to listen. At one, one point in the story, one point in the story, they stood in driving rain to listen to God's word. Look, if it's raining, we have a hard enough time to get you out of your house, to get into a dry car, to come into a dry building to listen to giving the sense. They stood out in the driving rain to listen to giving the sense. Listen, be ready to listen. How do you be ready to listen throughout the week? That's why we do a blog every day, along with our reading plan. So that you read me like, man, I don't know what to get from this. We've got the blog to help you listen to God. And we do a Bible study guide based on the sermon, some other scriptures that, that fit in. And today we've, we, we've got it uh, uh, surrounded around God's word, other scriptures about God's word and God's word giving life. So that you can go deeper then on your own so that you can listen to God. Look, 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 we got a baby in here. We expect that baby to need to be fed right now, right? We don't look at the baby and go, feed yourself! What's wrong with you? Now, wives, if we get to lunch and your husband goes, cut my steak and feed it to me, Marriage counseling? I'm going to get an email. Look, 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 look. As we go grow in Christianity, yes, we want this to, 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 to be a meal for you spiritually. 
But if this is the only meal you get, you're going to be starving. And when adults look at other people and say, feed me, feed me, feed me, we shouldn't use that as a sign of maturity. We should use that as a sign of immaturity. The third thing for biblical impact is this. Let it cut. Let it cut. When they read God's word, the people were cut to the heart. They wept. They confessed. They confessed where God, uh, where, where, where they didn't match up with God's word. They let it cut. One of the, one of the, 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 the scriptures in the Bible study that's going out um, uh, at 11 o'clock. It'll hit your emails at 11 o'clock. If you don't get it every Sunday at 11, we don't have your email. So come give me your email. We'll get it in. It's about how the Bible wants to cut the stuff that doesn't look like Jesus out of us so that we can look more like Jesus. But that's going to hurt. Yep, it is. But we cannot be healed until we hurt. We cannot be healed until we hurt. And now we take a continued look at the story. Because Ezra didn't want, Ezra didn't want the story to end that let it cut. There's more to the story. Nehemiah 8:9. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Don't mourn or weep. You're like, wait a minute, I thought church was all about mourning, all about weeping. That that was holy. Multiple times across the Bible, we see that actually holiness isn't mourning and weeping. It's where we're going. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, And drink sweet wine. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? (laughs) Give the sense, eat the fat, drink the wine. You're like, that sounds like lunch. Whatever. And send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord. Holiness isn't seriousness. Holiness is celebration of God. Holiness is celebration of God and what He's doing in our life. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. God's Word brings life. And we find life in joy. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Not mourning, not weeping, Is that appropriate in its due time? Yes. But once we've repented, once we've mourned, once we've wept over our sin, He wants to bring a flood of refreshing over our soul so that we find the joy in the Lord's strength. And again, this is why we do things the way we do things. After we teach, we have a couple of reflection songs so that we can have that time with God and what He's saying to us. And we end with a joyful song. So that we end with the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you walk out of here strengthened because you have joy in the Lord.
We don't just make this stuff up. This is why we do what we do in the time that we have. Because isn't it when we have joy that we're the strongest? We're not strong when we're weeping. It's appropriate in its due time. But we're not strong then. We're strong when we have joy. That's where God wants us to end up. With joy. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and send portions to make the great rejoicing. They did. Why? Because they had understood the words that were declared to them. They gave the sense. And they understood it. So they did. God wants to bring you life through His Word. First song that we sang as a, as a, as a group talked about send your glory, send your power, send your glory. Or show me your glory, show me your power, show me your glory. How do I do that? Simple. Read God's Word. If you want to know who God is, read His Word. If you want to know what His glory looks like, read His Word. If you want to know what His power looks like, read His Word. He wants to give you life through His Word. Five minutes a day. Five minutes a day. This came to me this week. Most of you got to go to work. It's in the parking lot of your work. Park the car. Say a quick prayer. Open up his word. Read. Say another quick prayer. And go rock your day. I think that's something we all can do. Like, I, I haven't read the Bible before. How do I do that? We'll get to that at the very end of the service. Do you want life? Do you want God's glory? Do you want His power? The easiest way to do that is open up His Word. And get His life from His Word. And His Word will change us and transform us into a renegade. Someone who impacts the culture. Because He gives us joy through His Word. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for Your Word. I, I, I pray that You will guide us in Your Word. Use this to, 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 to push people into Your Word. So that we can be strengthened by your joy. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.